Another draft pod. I'm Justin Michael. We've got Andre Simone, Henry Chisholm, and Jake Schwanitz. Dive into Peter King has content. Albert Breer has content. Some nice first rounders. We're diving into the linemen. We're talking offensive tackles and interior offensive linemen. Answering questions. It is an absolutely loaded podcast. I am so stoked. And uh, I should add that we are presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Andre, Hank, Jake, how are you guys doing? Are you excited to jump into this? And, you know, I think Nick said it the best. We survived. We've, we've made through 2021 draft class after this. Mercifully, we have. Mercifully, we have. This is probably one of the more interesting groups here. And, yeah, I'm excited for this new content because – uh as we mentioned in the last episode, some line shifts on DraftKings Sportsbook. There's still uh, interesting gods at the third overall pick with Justin Fields plus 100, Mac Jones plus 125, Trey Lance plus 250. Constantly changing. Um, yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I'm so excited that we're done. And uh, just, just a final stretch here. Now the fun part begins, right? Now we just get to sit back and kind of see where the pieces fall and then grade them as they may, right? Yep. I also feel really Hank, good. How are you doing? You, you feeling spectacular. good? Spectacular. Great day. 12 <laughs> out of 10. Love me some awesome. You can really feel the enthusiasm. It's radiating. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's actually the coffee you're hearing, but uh, it counts. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, let's just jump right into it and and start, I suppose, with the Albert Breer column on the Monday morning quarterback. A ton to dive into, so I guess we probably don't want to go over everything, but I highly recommend that you go check it out. Uh, we'll start with the Broncos, though, exploring trading up and trading down, according to Albert Breer. 
But the big thing of note is obviously that they are still heavily in the mix for a quarterback, according to him. Yep. Not really a surprise. I mean, this is the, if you're a Broncos fan, this is all we've been talking about for half a year, right? Like, does mm-hmm. this change how you look anything or think about the Broncos moving forward? I, I think it's becoming more and more realistic that A, they're one of the top candidates to trade up, which we've been kind of saying, just like some math and how the board stacks up, especially once Carolina kind of took themselves out of the running, at least to move up. And I guess in a sense, never had a chance to move up because they have a division rival there at four. Um, yeah, that's not surprising. But I think it, I think similar to the Falcons, there have been, kind of seesawing rumors of like, yes, they're in on the quarterbacks. No, they're not in the the quarterbacks. Um, They're definitely one of those teams that we've seen the first defender off the board mock to. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm encouraged that they are in this QB market since there seems to be a chance that a, you can move up to ensure you get fields or Lance, or you might be able to just stay and let one fall to you. Yeah, also interesting to see in Albert Breer's column talking about the Lions as a potential trade-down candidate too. Mm-hmm. Um, really, just looking at the order in front of the Broncos, that seems like the only spot they could potentially get sniped at. Um, maybe Atlanta trades back, but also in that same column, Albert Breer mentioned that the Falcons do have great interest in Kyle Pitts, yeah. uh, which would make sense at fourth overall, seeing as, Dre, you have him rated as the best overall pass catcher and think many of us here would agree and many of the other draft media would also agree yeah yeah I think that's, no. that's obviously big for the broncos because that's a team that could go quarterback and it, it it adds up i mean you have julio jones you have calvin ridley you have matt ryan and somehow your passing offense was not enough to win you a bunch of games last year um adding kyle pitts should definitely put them into territory where the passing game can they can ride or die with it and be happy with the results because it should get you to the playoffs. Obviously there are other holes, but, but turning that into a strength makes a lot of sense. And it does probably mean that Detroit is, is the, the pick you worry about if you want a quarterback to drop to number nine, mostly because. Yeah. I I found it interesting. Seemed like a bit of a consensus from both King and Breer um, that the, the more and more, it feels like Falcons are in the trade down or pits camp um, where they feel like the value is too good to pass up kind of on either, you know, and Detroit. I also thought it was interesting in uh, the SI piece that um, mentioned Detroit being a candidate for offensive linemen and even Mike Parsons and that kind of fitting into, you know, how they're trying to build that building and, Jake, weren't you on Twitter doing a mock and you had the Lions picks? Who'd, who'd you end up going uh, first two picks there? Yeah, so I went Justin Fields at seven nice. um, just because, you know, Goff is there now. I don't believe he's a long-term project and, you know, Fields is sitting there. I mean, obviously it'd be the dream scenario for the Broncos. I don't know if the Lions would do that. That's just what I would do. And then at 41, I took Eric Stokes, our boy, the corner from Georgia, uh, oh, yeah, pair yeah, him yeah. with Okuda. And then I also have the first pick today on technically day three, and I'm looking at Nico Collins to finally give Detroit another receiver because um, I think Rashad Perriman's like the best receiver on their depth chart right now, which is pretty crazy. That is. I do want to add um, that um, 
and and I know we're kind of jumping around between both articles here. Yeah, yeah. But Peter King, he did add that Arthur Blank, the Falcons owner, is very intrigued with this quarterback class, worried about securing the future of the position moving forward, but he doesn't intend to interfere with the draft decision, according to that. That seems reasonable to me. He, I've always been an Arthur Blank fan. He seems to be a pretty like mellow, level-headed type owner, not a Jerry Jones type, you know, jumping in there and throwing your whole, your whole draft process off. Um, but just real quick, going back to the, the Sports Illustrated article, it, it talks about the, the offensive linemen and how maybe calling this class elite is more a product of the last couple of classes being really weak and teams not being able to add talent versus this actually being, you know, a really dominant class that kind of basically just implies there's a lot of good depth here, but other than Sewell, you know, there aren't really any elite tackle prospects just on the theme of, of the offensive line today. I thought that was a a good point to bring up before we kind of jump into all of this. Um, One more too. I mean, in the Albert Breer article, he mentioned that the top three receivers and the top three corners. So Devonte Smith, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, um, Patrick Sertain, JC Horn, and Caleb Farley says, um, I guess that these GMs see these three pos- prospects better than any of the other top prospects from last year. So better than Okuda at corner, better than Judy, better than Lamb, better than Ruggs. It's just an interesting class. And that's really where the strength of the class lies, right? Out on the perimeter. Uh, just so much speed and talent. It's going to be interesting so unfortunate to see where it goes. for Denver because right? they loaded up on all of these yeah. positions over the last two years. Yeah, it's true. The perimeter spots have been the strength of these last couple of drafts and the Broncos have been able to capitalize. I mean, they've loaded up on wide receivers, um, but yeah, not always uh, in the way you'd think. I think we're kind of bearing the lead though, because I thought what both said about the Niners at three was really interesting. Um, You know, both are mentioning Mac Jones first and foremost. I think that's still, while it isn't the odds on favorite, at least on DraftKings Sportsbook, and I think most books, and obviously a lot of perception playing into this. Um, But that is still who these guys like Breer and King, like Shefty, Essentially, I would say the NFL media people who aren't getting reports from scouts um, and other kind of middling people, they have sources in the front offices, among GMs, among head coaches. I mean, that includes Michael Lombardi, who I know gets a ton of hate um, left and right. But we need to remember he his assistant GM was Ozzie Newsom. He had a staff made of Jim Schwartz, Bill Belichick, and so on and so forth like these are staffs that have produced people in front offices all over the nfl like you want to question his his sources good luck um so you know i think you need to listen everyone's still saying mac jones but i thought it was really interesting you pointed this out in our group chat jake that albert breer saying it's not a finalized decision for san francisco they're kind of still crossing their t's dotting their i's And I think the more interesting factor here is that Fields and Lance for the last couple weeks have both been working with John Beck, quarterback coach and former player for Shanahan at Washington in uh, 2010 and 11. And there are a lot of connections there. 
Obviously, both Fields and Lance have had second pro days catering to the Niners specifically. It should be mentioned that um, just because they want to be the highest possible pick, all these quarterbacks are really trying to cater to the Niners because it's the best possible situation. This was a team in the Super Bowl two years ago. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan, obviously Kittle and all those weapons, that offensive line, that scheme. It's where all these remaining top three quarterbacks want to go. So they're all really catering to the Niners. Does that mean it will make a difference, though? Because I remain convinced this trade was made for Mac Jones. And I remain convinced that that was such a lock that Carolina acted on it and made a trade. That's where this all stinks to me. Why would Carolina act if it was still no piston race for the Niners? You tell me, boys. That's a good point. I think you nailed it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's Mac Jones or, or bust at this point for for San Francisco. I do think there's you know the slim chance that they at the very last fall of with these guys, especially yeah. if you know John Beck gives a glowing evaluation. Shanahan sees what he can do with it, and it's just like, all right, but. I don't know, man. It just feels like with the with the whole RG three situation. I think that was brought up in our in our group chat as well. Going back to what happened, I I'm not so sure that they're like in love with the whole idea of having your quarterback run around. They've got the targets on the outside. They've got the running game. I think they just want a quarterback that can come in and get it done. My only thing on that is you already have Jimmy G. I mean, you know, you must yeah stack up the ceilings exactly. Uh, I mean, sorry, Hank, go ahead. It's not like Jimmy G is the guy who's going to go win you a title, though. Like, like I don't know. It, it, it's not just like mobile quarterbacks in mobile quarterbacks. I think more than that, it's like good quarterbacks, bad quarterbacks. And Jimmy G is leaning bad quarterback, close to good quarterback for a bad quarterback. I, you know, uh, And he's hurt. Yeah, I think Mac hurt. is better than Jimmy right now. I mean, I would, I'll confidently say that. It sounds crazy to say, but I, I think that if you plug him in there – yeah, yeah. After training camp, I think I think that you would be happy having him instead. Um, my thing is that like I, I don't know what's going to happen. I think Dre's idea makes the most sense, but the draft is just so weird that like I, I'm not going to believe anything enough to where I'm not going to be pretty up in the air when when we come time to see who the number three pick is. Well, now it's like the whole lead into Peter King's column is this is the most unusual draft of all time. It's so weird that the top three tackle prospects didn't even play this year in, in a lot of people's eyes. You know, that, that was according to him. We'll get into our own rankings and, and all of that. The quarterback situation, we're probably going to have five go in the top nine, one of which only played one game this year as other film is against FCS opponents. Mac Jones went undefeated. It, but it was like a weird schedule and the yeah. whole thing is just weird. It's just weird. This draft is weird, but it's fun. And I think it's kind of refreshing yes. because after a lot of, I don't know, the draft has just become super corporate and like the process is, you know, very similar now. It's just, it's not as exciting to me as it used to be. And, and just yeah. the way that they produce it, I guess, like from a production standpoint and how they present it to us. But now I just don't even care. Cause it's so weird. I'm like, I don't even, ESPN, do your thing, but I just want to see the chaos unfold. I know. I, I did forget about just what those broadcasts are like. Not, and I'm like, no hate to anybody. They, they do what they got to do and all that. But my goodness, do it, it's, it's like, okay, 
whoever's drafted, here's a list of everybody in his family who has died. And, and I feel like that's just like the first, and then it's like, he's also this tall, uh, by the way, his dog has cancer. Uh, he weighs this, you know, and just every single time. And I, I, had maybe, maybe head. we should do that on our broadcast and in, re- in, in remembrance of all our dead pets, you know, um, right. you know, <laughs> yes. a, a salute to service. Um, getting us back on go through everybody's Instagram and just find like the most tragic things that happen and see, and see if we can like hit on what ESPN and what those other guys are going to be talking about when they bring these guys up. They're going to have so much. That would actually be a funny game. I mean, it's sad, obviously. It's you know, sad. It would like bum me out, but yeah. pretty morbid. Oh. Um, I will circle back and say I found it pretty interesting. King um, mentioning that he thought if Fields would be around at eight, that he could see the Panthers pouncing. And I forget which of the two columns also mentioned the Panthers being a team trying to add, you know, more picks because they've given up some picks on Darnold. And that's one of those front offices that ideally would like more than the normally allotted seven picks. So that was Breer. Yeah. Breer said they're in the trade down camp. Peter King said they still might take a quarterback. That doesn't make sense to me at all. Like we just talked about why, why do you trade for Sam Darnold then? What, what is the point there? Exactly. Unless it's just literally we're we don't know. And we're going to try and add as much talent in the room at one, at one time. And we'll just see what happens. Yeah. And, and going back to something Dre said earlier, you know, the Panthers, they make the trade, maybe being a little too reactionary um, with the number three pick getting traded to 49ers. And that being matched up. What if the Panthers just didn't like any of the quarterbacks? Like they said, ah, you know, they're all right. We, we don't have enough tape on whoever this guy has this lot. And it's a weird year. And I think it's easier to not like quarterbacks than ever. They say, why not just go get Donald? And if you do, trading down does make a lot of sense. Jake, do you want? Yeah. What I mean, they were they were the most hands-on this offseason with Mac Jones, obviously, at the Senior Bowl. So, I mean, you would imagine out of all the front offices of all 32 teams, they, they would have a stint on them. Yeah. Uh, going back real quick. To the 49ers how much do you think that that throw in the super bowl that jimmy g missed to emmanuel sanders haunted kyle shanahan because if mac jones is the guy we talk so much about his deep accuracy he hits that I mean, throw 10 out of 10 times exactly exactly and i've had that thought when when oh. people say you know he's he's case keenum it's like well remember when case keenum missed the the game-winning throw to uh was it Demarius Thomas? Kansas City. How was that that game? Mac doesn't miss that. That was painful. It was painful. And I think I think you know, as the other thing is we gotta remember these guys and the work they do on the board, you know. Like to us it all looks easy operating that Alabama offense, but there are things in operating that Alabama offense that are really gonna get some coaches excited. Um, and, and then, Mac Jones is just so smart. Like, and then that's gets brought home in both yes, columns. Like, yes, if, if he ends up going three, it'll, yeah, the deep ball is great and all that. But I honestly think it's just going to come down to they're talking about Mac Jones in a way that they talked about Andrew Luck in terms of like processing speed and just being brilliant out there. And I, I maybe that's a little bit too high of a compliment, no. but. I mean, like Dre said, it, it's not a simple system what they're doing, even if it's a ton of talent around him. And I mean, the, the, the base concept, you know, it's, it's like short passes, West Coast, spread them horizontally, take what they give you and work your way down the field. As soon as you make a bad read and you throw an incompletion, 
it throws things off. When you're making mistakes in that West Coast offense, they can kind of multiply. That's a good point. Yeah. I like that. Um, and then both mentioned like Kyle Trask as a guy who don't be surprised if he goes in the second round, which his stock has like died in the draft season, I think, for media types. I remained kind of team Trask as like QB six in this class. Um, but I, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was really interesting. Quarterbacks always go high. I will, but I God help the team that, and I don't know. It just <laughs> seems like a, it's a lot of work, a lot of work. Yeah. At the same time though, it, you they all put it together before and sure college football is different than the NFL, but that was the best passing attack in college football. All credit to to Kyle Pitts and uh, give a whole bunch of credit to Trayvon Grimes and uh, the other one. Yeah, but but that alone, seeing the production, the fact that he's in the Heisman race, I mean, there there's something behind the scenes, or at least there should be, for him to be able to uh, do what he did, and maybe he pops at the next level. I mean, he's so a fairly it's he's in a fairly exclusive club of like quarterbacks who have legitimately cooked Saban's defense at Alabama. I mean, you're talking about Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, Trevor Knight, uh, Trevor Knight, <laughs> that crazy sugar <laughs> bowl, right? Um, uh, Chad Kelly for sure. Ryan Mallett is one of those guys. Um, Deshaun Watson, it. of course. And Deshaun Watson. And, and so now you're what? 50 50 Lawrence. Yeah. That's yeah. Fair. I mean, all, all fair. Second round quarterback. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. The history does not bode well for second round quarterbacks over the last decade, though. True. He was dealing with that ankle injury, too, to end the year. So, I mean, he wasn't completely healthy, especially in that dismantling against Oklahoma. Without any of his weapons. Yeah. It's yeah. so unfortunate that that's our last, you know, true impression of him was that ridiculous bowl game where he shouldn't have played. And I, mm-hmm. I love that he did because I love bowl games, even though they're objectively less valuable than they have ever been at any point in the history of college football. But like, it's a guy that loves football. And to me, I'm not going to hold that against him because that was just a hodgepodge. Even, I mean, when the coaches are literally in their live interviews being like, this isn't this isn't even our team. Like, what's the point of this? No. Yeah. And I think in a lot of, you know, media circles, we're just waiting to knock this guy. And all it took was that game to be like, okay, cool. You've seen it. We're good. Um, well, I think, you know, it's, I, yeah, it, it took a long time for Florida's offense to get going. He's the guy who did it. I, I think there's something to be said for that. So. Where where do you guys stand on Mon versus Trask? I like I've been I've had a crush on Mon since he was a freshman. I think he's just got the traits that you're really looking for. I mean, obviously he hasn't really put it all together, but in terms of a developmental quarterback, that's what I think you're looking for. I like Mon's ceiling. Yeah, good way to put it. Yeah, Mon's a Mon's a weird prospect because he checks off all the boxes. And he was like good about reining it in and like being a little more conservative under Jimbo and like a really good season for the Aggies last year. But the other part of that is like, he hasn't unleashed all the tools. Like 
we're, we're excited that he's got those traits, but how often did he actually put those traits to use? Like sparing flashes, man, bro. So frustrating sometimes. Well, Trask does stuff where I'm like that SOB, like he's so <laughs> slow. He's not even squaring up his hips, but he's like, he's generating power. He's accurate. He leads guys. He's on time. There's a lot to like about the kid, you know, even though he's it's like a fullback out there. His motion's kind of <laughs> crappy. Like it's not a ton of zip. He's not driving the ball. It's just like, eh. but still like he's, he's fun. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I, I get it. Yeah. I think, I mean, uh, it's crazy how, like, Mon, it's like, oh, I never put together. He has games where he's incredible, games where it's like, ah, what, what are you doing out there? But when you have Patrick Mahomes come through and he and he fits that mold, it, it, I, I feel like all those guys for the next, like, three years just kind of get bumped up a little bit and, and you just go through all these cycles based on what we've seen before. And I, I don't know, e- either one. I mean, it's drafting a quarterback. Like it's it's basically a crapshoot unless two second round guys. If I had to pick one, I'd probably go. I go Trask. I'm gonna stick to my guns. Two two mind. I like it. Not a not a consensus, and that's good because it's a weird class. We really shouldn't have consensus with this wonkiness. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Albert Breer and Peter King, two of the best out there. Make sure you check out both of those columns. Definitely worth your read as football fans, as NFL draft content consumers. Um, we're going to move on here and we're going to dive into the, the tackle and interior lineman rankings in a second. But before we do, um, let's talk about some potential surprise first rounders. And uh, I, I got a list here that Dre had sent us. Uh, Kuiper as Hunter Long, Javante Williams, DME Brown. Um, Hunter Long. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the Boston College tight end. Like, what is going on? He's definitely a guy where when we went through the tight end episode, it was like, dude, solid checks off a lot of boxes. I could see the NFL liking him more. I, I cannot live in a world with where Cole Komet goes like 46th and right. goes like 30th. That'd be insane, folks. But that's the fun of this. Shocking. I mean. That's the fun. Shocking. And I like to do this because we'll be live during the draft. And I remember being live during the draft when the Eagles took Marcus Smith, the edge rusher out of Louisville. Um, I think he's been out of the NFL for like three years now. It was Chip Kelly's final draft. And I am so happy that final week of draft prep, I actually got around to him. As like, you know, situational edge rusher, like a little speed rusher on third down. Like, yeah, maybe... Mid fourth, he'd be a good value pick. Twenty six overall, and everyone on the broadcast I was on was like, "Who?" And I was like, "Wait, Marcus Smith out of Louisville, the little speedy edge rush." So at least I knew who it was, as uh, though I was shocked too. So you guys got to help me cover all my bases because I've been there before, where I'm the one guy who knows this thing. And so, so you got to help me. Diami Brown, Javante Williams, Hunter Long, first names. Keep going, Justin. Sorry. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Um, Jordan Reed of Total Draft Network, he has Alex Leatherwood, um, Humphrey, and Tyson Campbell all going in the first round. Those seem a little more realistic than Kuypers. And again, I'm we're not trying to make this whole thing anti-ESPN, but it's way too much screen time with Mel Kuyper. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, Pro Football Network, um, Oliver's Hodgkinson, I hope I said that right. He has... Um, Milton Williams, defensive yes. tech out of Louisiana Tech, going in the first round. 
Really? I mean, if it's a weak class, but that would be the case for him. Jake, go ahead. He's been getting some hype here and there. DJ kind of hyped him up a bit too. Oh. I I think he put him in his most recent top fifty. Um, oh the other guy on that list from Hodgkinson, though, Ronnie Perkins. I know DJ's a big fan of him, and I've seen mm-hmm. him in the first round all over the place. I mean, Davis Mills too. <laughs> I crazy. I watched Milton Williams and um, he tested off the charts, which is why he's getting this love. He is a finesse. I think the Marcus Walker essentially finesse defensive tackle, but he has 31 inch arms and against um, Louisiana tech. What conference are they in Justin Sunbelt Sunbelt. There you go, dude, double teams inside. (laughs) Like let's go for a ride. Um, like my daughter on the carousel at the zoo, just like has no chance as a run <laughs> defender. And I mean, yeah, once in a while, he'll beat you off that first step as an interior penetrator. But I, no, he might not have a draftable grade for me. Um, wow. Then I, I don't care if he is a surprise first round pick. I don't care how well he tested. Like the dude doesn't have a position in the modern NFL. So um, that matters. I, like we can't get too in love with just the fact that like, yes, the testing matters too, but at some point, like do they actually play football well and can they have a definitive role to where we are committing this much capital to him and to see yeah. hear a guy that's that fringe be a first round again craziest draft ever probably get so i'd like totally and i mean that's one guy's happen. take like he could be a 10 sack guy for all i know in the right scheme in a few years but yeah i i wouldn't count on it i see very very little doubt but that's why this is beautiful you know because again it, Milton Williams reminds me of Marcus Smith, like takes one to believe in the guy who I think is a part-time player to be something more. And there you go. Hank, do you have any thoughts on Davis Mills being a potential first rounder? (laughs) Uh, Nothing, nothing new since the last time we talked. I mean, he's Davis Mills, bro. He's a highly rated recruit. He fits fits the mold. So was Tate Martell. He's, he's got correct. Maybe not like the, the strongest arm, but but he, he made some good decisions. He comes from a pro-style offense. He beat out KJ Costello. I mean, to me, honestly, like I uh, I don't see him in that way. Uh, he, he doesn't throw the ball in a way that makes me think that he's an NFL quarterback. Like he, he just doesn't. You well, know, if Hank is not buying this Pac-12 quarterback stock, then nobody should be buying this Pac-12 quarterback stock. Fair. Yeah. One decent call I trust might be Jimmy G. Like he feels like that kind of West Coast guy. Yeah, like, I can yeah. see that. But is Jimmy G a first round pick in in retrospect? No, no, sorry, Bob. No, no, yep. no, no. And and well, I think I that's know. a good comp because again, like the thing is, what is the strength? What is why do you pound yeah. the table for Davis Mills? And, and maybe he just tears it up on the whiteboard and you're like, oh, wow, this guy, this guy, for, for some of the Mac Jones reasons, Mac Jones. Got to be smart to go to Stanford, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. one of the top yeah. five public universities in the country. So Yeah, that and, and working with David Sean as a pro-style offense. And, you know, we had Simi Fioko and we saw him occasionally turn that into a deep threat. But also you think like with the tools that he had and the plays that he made, how was he not picking up a thousand yards? every? You know, so – I don't know. Again, I, I think Jimmy G's a good comp, but it's just tough to see him being being anything more than like an average starter. 
which who knows an average NFL starter, maybe that is worth a, a second round pick. This kind of sounds point, like uh, Kellen Moore to me. I mean, you're mm. drafting a cerebral guy. Maybe you get another coach on the field, a coach in the quarterback room. But when it comes to the actual physical traits and playing football, you're not really getting much. He, he might be Kellen Moore if Kellen Moore was a five-star recruit, though. Exactly. Which is why. And at quarterback, we've seen Christian Hackenberg, Jimmy Clausen, like – Kellen Moore threw a lot more touchdowns than Davis Mills, though. (laughs) A lot more. (laughs) Yeah. Actually won games, um, which was incredible. (laughs) What a thing from a quarterback to do. Yeah. The uh, the last one here is the Total Draft Network had an article with uh, Baron Browning and Spencer Brown both going in the first round. Yeah. I like those two a lot as picks. Um, Brown we're going to get into, so I don't want to spoil anything. Um, he's the one of the few guys who checks off all the boxes and I could really see him jump up. Um, Browning's an interesting one. There are people who love that guy, but he was like really just a part-time player at Ohio state, but he's, he tested really well and he promises to have real third down value, both in coverage and as a pass rusher. So I, I know there are people who really like him. Jake, Hank, any thoughts before we go to a break real quick? Um, I, I have a couple, I, I have a couple names of guys I think could jump up there. Me too. Um, oh, yeah, that's that, that's my bad. I meant we, we got to go into our, our own potential surprise first rounders. Then we'll get into a break. I'm just, I'm just getting the motors running, getting you guys thinking about those <laughs> products in the back of your minds. Yep, good idea. True no pro. Idea coming. Uh, first one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out there. And there's kind of like a theme to my guys here. I'm going to say Walker Little. Um, mm. I was impressed by what I saw on tape. Very athletic. Um, and I think he has a couple things that probably work against him, but could also help a team talk themselves into him as a first-round pick, late first-round pick. You know, mm. he goes through the injury, which, you know, how do teams feel about the ACL? Uh, he, he missed time with that. He opted out this season. With all that missed time, I think it's easy to, to talk yourself into him being a guy who, had he played more, everybody would be higher on him. And to me, you're kind of overthinking things there, but that's why I think that there's a path to him being a, a late first-round pick. Um, I'll throw another one out there real quick. Actually, I mean, Quinn Miners is similar, you know, going from D3. Um, maybe somebody falls in love with him late. Um, That'd be crazy. I'm gonna, That'd be so cool, though. It would yeah. be. Yeah. I've got uh, this is a super long shot. Dwayne Eskridge, the verse. I mean, the fact that he's he's one of the few speed guys who's mm-hmm. at the Senior Bowl in a year when people don't get to see these guys in person, get their hands on them as much as they want. He's flying out of those breaks. He's producing, and sure, he was only out there for like one day. It was a really good day, and he's one of my guys. And so that skews things but who knows who knows maybe late maybe he can pass up probably not bateman it would be tough he's probably like an upset early day two guy but it's a long shot i said it before on this show rondale moore man i mean i think he's the best kind of uh swiss army knife at the wide receiver slash running back position in this draft class um i know the concerns about his size but man, the guy is just so athletic and everyone's running a four, two. He's one of them. 
Um, and I also just wanted to bring up those type of guys. I mean, Tutu Atwell, Anthony Schwartz, wouldn't it surprise me to see one of those guys um, kind of going in the back end of the first round just for a team looking for that gadget guy, uh, just trying to get speed on the field. And then another guy that Jordan Reed said, Alex Leatherwood, we'll get more into him later. Mm-hmm. I, what's the holdup with this guy, man? Yeah. I mean, he was just solid all the way around. I know the arm length isn't really technically ideal for left tackle, but man. And then uh, from last episode, we talked about Eric, Eric Stokes. Uh, that speed at corner, I could definitely see that going late first. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, a, a couple for me, definitely Stokes. I think the two Washington guys get slept on, but um, Levi Ozuriki and Joe Tryon uh, both would would fit. Um, I, I agree with a couple names at tackle that have been made, and Spencer Brown, Leatherwood. Honestly, Hank's pick of Walker Little kind of fits that same mold. Um, and Boogie Basham, Carlos Basham, another guy like that's one position, the interior defensive line where I think you you will see guys moved up and the guys with pass rush versatility like Ozuriki, like Milton Williams, like Basham are, are good names to keep in mind. Yeah, I mean, I Levi Muzurike was the number one guy I had put down, I think, just with some of the questions they have about Barrymore and help stock, yeah. too. Um I've got Landon Dickerson, the center out of mm-hmm. Alabama. That's not that's not that bold. I would just say, you know, but most people aren't aren't really forecasting centers to go in the first round. I just think with what he brings as a, you know, field general out there, he's just kind of one of those can't miss prospects, and and that's really valuable. Um, I think that's the last one. I, I guess maybe like somebody like Je- Jevin Holland out of uh, Oregon, the safety. Just mm-hmm. given that there's not a lot of depth there if you know Maring goes in the top two I see you know Holland going like 28 29 something like that Mm -hmm. those are my three I like it boys I feel prepped I'm so ready I'm just so ready for this to finally be here and we can just see how it plays out and especially it's it's fun when your team has a top 10 pick but it's kind of exhausting and stressful yeah no doubt no doubt I'm going to be a wreck right. on that Thursday. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no kidding. But um, the the thing to always look forward to is more content. And that's as a, as you know, from our perspective, that's as good as it gets. No, nope. let's, uh, let's move on and let's start to talk about these offensive tackles and interior linemen. We should definitely get an ad break in, which I teased a second ago, a little prematurely. Hank, take the floor, my man. Uh, if you are not a DNVR member yet, now's the time. So many awesome things going on. Um, a golf tournament on Saturday, a scramble. We're, we're now sold out, and so you're too late there. But you would have known all about it. You would have signed up had you uh, been a member. So uh, you get opportunities to do that kind of stuff, access to the members-only Discord, uh, all of the written content on the website, big beers for the size of small beers, at the DMVR bar, you get weekly deals from the DMVR lockers. So many awesome things that you can get. Plus, right now, when you sign up for an annual membership or any membership that's longer than a year, uh, you can get a free shirt from the DMVR locker, and you also get a Recover Holistic stick from Holistic Wellness. Um, if you don't know what that is, uh, Holistic Wellness is all about CBD. Um, the, the stick that we are sending has 10 milligrams of CBD in it, and all you do is stir it around in your drink, and then it's a CBD drink. They're, they're 
no, there's no mess. They're easy to use. They're very effective. Um, and you can find out more information at holisticwellness.com. That's H-O-L-I-S-T-I-K wellness.com. And better yet, uh, if you are interested in any of their pro products, then you can use the code DNVR30 to get 30% off. Again, you can also just get an annual membership, try it out with one of those sticks, get a free shirt as well. And you'll also get a coupon to Holistic Wellness. So that would be our recommendation. Also, um, oh, this is, there we go. Masvidal and Usman put on mm. a show the last time they stepped into the octagon. Round two is sure to pack a punch. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, is putting you in the center of this weekend's title fight with 26-1 odds on either title contender terrain victorious. Uh, pick either main event fighter to win during this weekend's UFC 261 title fight, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 26-1 odds. All you got to do is bet $5 on either of the fighters. And if they walk out with the belt, you will cash $130 in free bets. There's seriously no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. And if MMA isn't for you, uh, there are so many other options. There's odds and promotions on basketball, hockey. Um, I know I'm pretty hyped about the NWSL Challenge Cup. Uh, games starting up again tomorrow. I'm gonna make a draft bunch props, of baby. There, oh, draft props too. So many different things you can bet on. So make sure that you are using the number one sports book in the country. Uh, download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR when you sign up and turn five dollars into $130 in free bets. If the title contender of your choice wins, place your bet, watch your fist fly this weekend. That's code DMVR to turn five dollars into $130 in free bets. If the fighter of your choosing takes home the crown. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And when it comes to car and home insurance, don't we deserve better? I know I do. Uh, lots of our members and our staff at DMVR have actually put their policy to the test and turned to Gabby. When they did, Gabby saved them hundreds of dollars. Uh, D-Line, Eric, uh, he saved over $1,300 per year. I can never decide whether I say 1.3,000 or 1,300. We're going 1.3,000. Um, nice. Other people saved hundreds of dollars as well. Uh, Gabby customers on average save $961 per year. Um, they, here's how it works. So you, you send them the insurance policy, the zip code, that kind of stuff, simple stuff. And they get you a quote for that exact same insurance from 40 different providers like Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers. That's super easy, super convenient. They don't sell your information. Um, you, you're, there's no obligation. You're not going to get spam calls from anybody. It's just uh, in five minutes, you can figure out whether you can save hundreds of dollars with no repercussions and the exact same coverage. So put your policy to the test like we did. Get a better insurance with Gabby. It's totally free to check out. There's no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash DMVR. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash DMVR. Nice. Um, yeah. By the way, Broncos draft props. Plus 200, Trey Lance, the odds on favorite. Micah Parsons, plus 400. Mac Jones, plus 600. I've told you, Mac could be a chance. And then a couple guys we'll be talking about. Rashawn Slater, plus 700. Penny Sewell, plus 800 uh certain field sprinkled in there at plus 700 
and um, plus 800, respectively. All right, fellas, time to get into this offensive tackle class. Um, it's a fun class. I'm sure we will have some talks about, well, should we talk about this guy now as a tackle? Should we wait for segment three and talk about him then as an interior offensive lineman? Um, so maybe we should start with that rather than who your top tackles are. How many true starting NFL offensive tackles do you see in your top 10? We could make that starting left tackles if you want to make it harder. Um, anyone want to take that on? <laughs> That's I think a, I have tough. six. You've got six? I think so. I think. <laughs> I I'm gonna go I'm gonna go five. I'm I going could drive with those I'm going numbers. Five. I could drive with those numbers. Um yeah, I think we're really right. talking about more like four and a half, but I agree that I think the list extends as high as six and maybe as low as four which is saying something, but uh, finding a starting offensive tackle in the NFL is essentially the equivalent of finding a starting pitcher in the MLB draft. There are only so many in the world. Um, so yeah, I'm guessing we have the same top one, but I'm pretty sure we don't have the same two and three. So um, who wants to start us off with the the top three in the class at offensive tackle? I can start. Um, I've got Penny Sewell number one uh, because he is the best tackle in a landslide. Um, it's actually – so it's weird watching him play because you really do have to nitpick. Like for the most part, like I, the biggest question that I had coming out of watching him was can he handle a second move? You know, when he when he beats the guy the first time, it, and the big reason I have that question is because when he's out there playing with Justin Herbert, the ball was out so fast that you rarely saw, like, what happens after they get locked up? I will say that when they did lock guys up, they didn't go anywhere. Yeah. It's a sample size thing. Those, that's the kind of nitpicking that I feel like you have to do with Penny Sewell. Um, good, good pass blocking left tackle. Incredible run blocking left tackle. And maybe that that little you you would like to see it flipped probably because he's a left tackle at the same time you don't find people this talented all that often and again you're just nitpicking um yeah just the athleticism all that stuff it, it, it was so much fun to go back and watch him play football uh from there we're going Rashawn Slater uh I I'm curious to see where you guys have Rashawn Slater um, you know that the tape against uh, Chase Young, that's the first game you have to watch. And because that's the first game you have to watch, everybody's going to start by saying, wow, this is an incredible left tackle. I also did see, though, like, I'm pretty sure he gave up sacks in that game just not to Chase Young. <laughs> like, like, when Chase Young was on the other side, Bro, he struggled. To and the backups in the fourth back. quarter. It's totally crazy. Did. It's crazy. <laughs> He yeah. gets flagged for a hold at the end of that game. Too. I don't get it. Against Chase Young's backups in garbage time. Um, oh, yeah. boy. This class is funny like that. Okay, from Slater. There, from there, it's Darisaw. Darisaw actually, like. My boy. 
he might be like the only one in my like top five, top ten. So the line is somewhere in there who actually has 34 inch arms. Crazy to think about again. But it, when you look through all these guys, yeah. most of them came in short. He's got the tools. He's got the size. He played well. I mean, th- that's my topic. That's where I'm at. Um, I'm curious, what do you guys think? Is that the same order you had? Dre, it, I don't think you will agree. Um, I, 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 That's a great point you make about the 34-inch arms. I believe he's the only one in my top seven yeah. tackles, um, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, Penny Sewell, I think that was a good report. Um, yeah, it's true. The the weaknesses you have to find are like length. You know, you would like that extra length, uh, even height wise. He's not the tallest. And at over 330, I just wonder if like that that frame is maxed out, which is fine. He is wide as a house. Um, and as athletic a 330-pound man as you will ever see. Just a special specimen. Um, incredible to go back to like some 2018 tape and see him as a 17-year-old just, like, <laughs> dominate. Um, but there are areas that need to be refined. There are even murmurs about some off-field stuff. I would have loved to have seen him this year. Um, and I, I find a hard time finding a good comp for Penny Sewell. Like, Trent Williams is there, but I think there was a little more length. I, I, I've almost called him the Quentin Nelson of uh, tackles. Like, he's got that, that, like, you know, he initiates contact, you're done. Um, after that, I'm a big Darisaw guy. I think this is similar to the edge group where I'm siding with like at his peak, the best flashes after Sewell, I think, uh, are Darisaw, but, uh, runs a little hot and cold sometimes. Um, but you know, long career, he started for a long time. He's got the length. I think the upside is right there and that's a big differentiator. And after that, I have Tevin Jenkins, who I think could stick at right tackle with that, um, length. I think he's more athletic and more powerful than Rayshon Slater, who probably has the highest floor of this class. Um, but I think we'll stick at guard. And I have some real questions about his ability to stick at offensive tackle. You know, so much is made about that Ohio State game, which of course is overblown given the late game struggles that we mentioned. You know, watch him against Iowa or Wisconsin, the, the more corn-fred linemen in the Big Ten. Um, and the length of an Epinesa gave him trouble. Um, his uh, strength to anchor is a concern for Slater. It's an area where Sewell just blows him out of the water, for example. And like uh, I posted on Twitter today, Zach Bond getting a key quarterback hit and forced fumble on him, just beating him off the snap. And that's why length is so important. We're always talking about um, margins for air. Slater has less of a margin for air. And I actually think um, Jenkins is a bit stronger a bit more athletic and more suited to stick at right tackle. So that that's what um, separated him over Slater just slightly. So we have the exact same top three. I'll, I'll let Jake talk because I like going through my notes. So I was going to say that you're good. No worries. That. I, was say I love that. Justin. Yeah. I've got Sewell at one um, just a mammoth of a human being mm-hmm. uh, crazy punch in his hands moves very well <laughs> yeah. for that size. Uh, seems like a smart football player too. I, I think Incredibly he processes smart. really well. Yes. Um, passes off blitzes and diagnoses pressures at a good level uh, already. So the ceiling is just sky high with him. And then I actually don't have Rashawn Slater at tackle. I think he's best served as a guard. Um, the length issues and 
you know, he moves really well. I just yeah. kind of worry about him against the speedier rushers. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we mentioned the game against Chase Young. Um, he did kind of lock him up at times. But I just wonder, you know, when it comes to the Vaughn Millers, the Shaq Barretts of the NFL, um, are these guys just going to be able to dip right under him? So then right. at two, I put Tevin Jenkins just because so mean and powerful. Uh, I meant to bring this up when we were talking about the edges, but I think that the uh, Oklahoma State Stadium has Joseph Osai's tombstone on the outside because <laughs> he destroyed that guy. Um, and then, ironically enough, the last rep of the game is Tevin Jenkins' worst rep. gives up the strip sack to lose the game. Yeah. Um, and then at three, I've got Alex Leatherwood. I already mentioned, I can't what, – what is, what's the hang-up here? I, I don't understand why he hasn't got more buzz. I feel like he had – pretty decent buzz throughout the season. Um, and it's just kind of faded out. I mean, I already said, I know he doesn't have the length, but his measurables are really weird. Oh. He's got like a 90th percentile wingspan, but only yeah. like a 36 percentile arm length. Um, his length to me is fine. He's just under 34, but as you said, I actually think he's got the longest wing of, uh, like anyone in my top 15, maybe anyone not named stone foresight, uh, the Florida left tackle. So yeah, I, I to Just me, length isn't a concern. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he engulfs dudes. Uh, yeah. As much as we, we love Tevin Jenkins, Leatherwood to transition, probably the best run blocker of the group. Fair to say. Most oh, yeah, dude, dude malls, yeah. dude malls. And well, malls Penny Sewell's a great run blocker too. Yes. Obviously. True, 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 true. Right. 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 Um, the, the only difference for me with, with Jenkins and Leatherwood, and I'm obviously really high on Leatherwood. I have him at four. I already added that Dre and I have the same top three. I like Jenkins' versatility. He played guard and center at various points in his career, so I think his his room for growth. Like I still, I think he has room to improve at tackle still. Now that he finally is kind of locked down in that role and he's not moving around all over the place, I think that's a big problem with college linemen in general. Is oh, they just they get shuffled around so much, it's hard for them to establish yeah. you know any type of identity at one single position, and I think that's why he's such a late bloomer. Then with Leatherwood too, I think like, you know, like you said, it's, I think he'll be a really solid tackle. I just don't think he's, you know, like the, the sexy prospect. Cause he's not this big mauler, you know, he's not as nasty as Jenkins is. He's not as flashy as Sewell is, but ultimately yeah. it feels like he's going to pan out. Like I'd, I'd feel very <laughs> safe drafting Alex Leatherwood, especially given that you're probably going to be able to get him in, you know, maybe the second round or, or late first round. Yeah, I, I one of my holdups with Leatherwood is that left side of the line from Alabama is just so good, and you've mm -hmm. got Mac Jones back there, and you've got Najee Harris, and so what you've got Leatherwood, you've got Leatherwood, you've got Deontay Brown, you've got uh, the the center Landon Dickerson, Dick. yeah. And when I mean that was a great offensive line, and they did a lot of really good things, but it it, it scares you just a little bit in the way that any Alabama prospect scares you just a little bit, and I mean, that, that to me is, is one of I – mean, it's nitpicking and it's probably dumb and you might feel stupid about it later, but when you have guys – No, it's, like fair, it's fair to bring up, but I'll also add that like, your line's only as good as your left tackle is. And so, yes, that, Al that Alabama offensive line was phenomenal, but, you know, without him, it's, it's just not going to work the same. Yeah. Sure. And, I mean – Who do you I guys have four or five? I keep coming back to Leatherwood, who – this is where it gets tricky. Slater's my four. Vera Tucker's my five. Darisaw Jenkins, Slater, Vera Tucker, all first round grades. 
Sewell top 10 grade. Leatherwood is in the next tier, late first, early second, where I put a lot of my high potential guys. I do Leather- want to add Slater's a guard. That's the only reason I had. Like, I would probably have him higher. And I think Vera Tucker is probably a guard as well, although I think his his road to conversation tackle is a little there. clear. Yeah. yeah. It's a conversation. But again, like, Vera Tucker, that's a 32-inch arms, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, essentially in the NFL, that's a non-starter. Like, it's awesome we got to see him play left tackle today, uh, this year, but... I just don't see it. Yeah. Can I take us on a little tangent real quick and just kind Please. of pose a question to the group? Um, Andre, maybe you know something about this. What is, is there like, uh, I don't know, an amount of tackles under 34 inch arms that have actually made an impact? Like, is it a substantial amount of players or are we actually talking true outliers here? Under 34, yes. Um, you know, even just recently, guys like Jonah Williams fit slightly under. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Trent Williams might be slightly under there. So that's where my questions guys. come from. Like guys that measure that like 33 and a half, like, come on, like, what are we really doing here? Yeah, totally. Um, you know, there are some guys, but it's not a ton and under 33 is just impossible. Like that, that just doesn't exist in the NFL. Um, and I think the guys under 34, you see some limit limited ceilings there, you know? So, I mean, as much as it does seem like we're nitpicky and kind of getting fixated on a quarter inch here, a quarter inch there, history does tell us that this stuff matters. Um, and from so, our perspective, that's like the best info you can go off of because let's be real. We know what quality offensive line play looks like, but it's not like we're, you know, in the trenches with the some of the hand technique, you know, like we can tell like when somebody's really good with their hands, mm-hmm. but we're not looking at it the way the same scouts are. So these measurables, these things, like these are what you need to go off of. Cause that's the only thing you can actually like, predict really. I mean, otherwise it's just like, well, he's pretty, he's pretty neat out there. I think he's pretty good. I, I don't have any justification for why I'd take him, but he's pretty talented. And I mean, Vera Tucker watched the, put the Oregon game on. You want to see why length matters at offensive tackle, put the Oregon game on. It, it's not even Kayvon Thibodeau who takes over and just like exactly. gets under his pads two consecutive plays in the fourth. It's number 97, uh, Brandon Dolores, a little 280 pound boy for uh, Oregon on the edge. He's getting in Vera Tucker's pads and he's got that power. That like, game was the one I thought was now he's a guard. I mean, he's a guard. <laughs> Bruin, you can be as athletic as you want, but if the dude gets to you before you can get to him with his length and get then gets under you and is lifting you, your lower body athleticism doesn't matter because you're floating in the air. It's lifting you. Like that's that. Um, so you, there's a counter to everything. So I'm I'm with you. I'm with you guys on Leatherwood. Like Jedrick Wills, who I underrated, was such a stud as a rookie. This dude could not start at left tackle at Alabama. He could start at left tackle for the Cleveland Browns, but couldn't at Alabama. You know why? Because Alex Leatherwood took his spot. That matters to me, man. And he's been starting for three years, Justin. As you know, Jonah Williams was the right left tackle. He was the right tackle. And they're going to value that in this wonky, weird draft class where we didn't get to see, especially when three of the other top tackle prospects didn't play this year. You have a guy who's been locked down for three years, played on one of the best offenses we've seen in college football in a long time. 
really, I mean, we say that every year now because every year it's sure but. LSU in 2019, Alabama, Florida in 2020, like offense is just insane. But mm-hmm. consistency and just having such a, a wide variety of film to go off of. And, and I got to imagine, you know, a glowing recommendation from Nick Saban is going to carry a lot of weight. Now, consistency is his problem. And it, he gets into like style points for me as a tackle. Because, yeah, he's so big and he moves well. Often he's done enough to make it so you can't get a hand on Mac Jones. But he might be, like, flying sideways doing so, you know. He doesn't, like, dominate people, you know what I mean? He's not, like, one of In those where, pro. Yeah, he's not going to maul you and just keep going. He just he, he keeps, keeps people away yeah. from the quarterback for the most part. But he's not, like, that sexy tackle prospect where it's like, oh, my. Even, like. Garrett Bowles coming out of Utah, you could see like, oh my, this dude's oh. freaking nasty. Like it's raw, and he's obviously it was a crazy uphill battle trying to get all of the the flaws out. But he just that meanness, I always like that in a tackle, and 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 maybe that's what you hold against Leatherwood. You worry that he just doesn't have that like mindset. Is that maybe that's not even a fair criticism to make from afar? But and that similar to that, you know, with Elijah Vera Tucker, I have in my notes like when he plays guard, he kind of looks like a tackle. Like in the way that he sets and and when he's in the run game, I don't feel like he's like, like he's smart and he, and he passes off blocks well and gets to the next level, but he does kind of have this upright. And, and if, I think that if you want to move him to guard, you're looking at that and saying, yeah, we want to build a pocket for our quarterback. And he's going to be very, very good at that. He's going to make good decisions in the run game. I do kind of wonder physically whether he is somebody who inside against, you know, big bigger defensive linemen stronger defensive linemen linebackers i i do have some little questions there gonna have to yeah. get put on some some beef gonna have to get that upper body strength up for sure yeah just going back to jenkins over slater for me and you justin you mentioned the positional versatility is so big for slater i think there's some real scheme versatility for slater too i think Great he point. moves well enough to where he would fit in a zone. You know, Jedrick Wills is the comp. I was very skeptical about Wills fit in a zone scheme. Boy, did he ever prove me wrong. I think Tevin Jenkins would fit very well, but he fit great in a power scheme. Slater, look, lengthwise, Jenkins Slater were more or less talking about the same guy. But if you're trying to convince yourself, can I get Slater, like you want to force Slater at right tackle, say, where he did play in college, I think you can do that, but I think you can only do that in a zone scheme. Um, so, you know, these differentiators, when they all have the same round grade is going to make you just say when we're splitting hairs here, it's like, why do I favor this guy slightly more? It's just exactly like that versatility. I like his nastiness again, going back to the same point I keep making there Totally, man. and, and experience same, same benefit you have with Leatherwood, a guy who's just played a lot of games in a high level conference against elite talent and, and did well, like you said, Joseph Osai. RIP, his name is somewhere outside stadium with some flowers and teddy bears and Texas fans stop by and, you know, they cry a little bit because they're still not back. <laughs> we we don't get enough Texas shots in here. I just, we needed one. Just Agreed. Cool. Yeah. Henry, what about you, man? Who's your four or five? Um, it's, so the list is tough because, like, I did include Elijah Barry Tucker as a tackle. And well, that's fair. There, there's some of these that are just like, like I don't know. We're kind of intermingling a little where bit. We're naming guys and like leaving guys off a list. And it's like, well, that's just because I have them with guard. Um, but for me, so my top three was 
Sewell, Slater, Derrissaw. Um, from there, I'm going with uh, uh, who was it? There we go. Uh, oh, Leatherwood. I have Leatherwood right there, and then I've got Walker Little right behind him. Um, Leatherwood, we've talked about a lot. I can get into Walker Little a little bit. I guess we talked about him a little bit earlier too. Yeah, you talked about Walker Little a little bit. Yeah. So, so somebody who didn't didn't play last year uh, because the opt out missed time before that with the ACL. Um, he's an athlete. He's an athlete, and I guess maybe that's why the ACL is a little bit more concerning. But the way he moves out there, and partially because he wears that number seventy two, he almost has a bit of a Garrett Bowles vibe to him. I thought. Um, Bowles had a knee in college too, didn't he? Though, oh, he did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And I, so, um, let's see, where did these notes? He's go? a finesse tackle to me. Exactly. Um, yeah, he's a speed guy. I, I think he plays with more length than he shows because of that athleticism. Um, questions again: the 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 overall strength, the power. Can he handle that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, Moves kind of well when blocking in motion and what have you on the run. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I see him struggle with power. I sometimes see him struggle with bend and his good tapes dating back to 2018. What Drift am I supposed so to do long. with that? That's it is. What am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. I just fall in love with the athleticism. The way I see him running around out there. Totally. That there's something you can do with that. And yeah, in this sure. class, it's like, when does the rubber meet the road on guys like that? You know, for me, yeah. Cosme is my fifth guy. If we're putting Slater and Vera Tucker in the, you know, so it's Leatherwood Cosme. But I think you start to get in that tier, Hank, where, OK, we we got our top guys out that next tier of first round guys. Maybe we're not convinced they'll stick at tackle, but we feel like there's a pretty high floor if the backup plan is shifting them inside. Now we're back to the high upside guys. We're like, man, you put them in the right hands, right system. You give them a couple of years. We might be talking about some like high ish and left tackles. And those guys get paid jillions, you know, um, Justin and Jake, who you guys got four and five. So I've got Darisaw at four. Um, I do like him. I just, I, his body type, there's something about it. It's a bit thick on the upper half and I'm not too fond of that. I think he could use, um, you know, a little bit of weight loss, little NFL strength program and conditioning, um, powerful hands though. And I do kind of the same thing with Slater. I kind of wonder how he's going to handle the very bendy athletic speedy edge rushers in the NFL. Um, he does have some good, uh, reps against guys like that, but there's oftentimes where he's getting beat too. And then at five, I also had Walker little, um, it was, I was kind of tough putting him there just because like you said, Dre, I mean, we're going back pretty far 2018, uh, even the 2019 tape, I think he suffered a knee injury in 2019. So he didn't finish the year. And then obviously with the opt out. So just based on the tape, I liked what I saw. I just have no idea what I'm getting from him. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin, go ahead and let's rattle off some names after. Yeah, I got a. I had Leatherwood at four again. Just it's him yeah. and Darisaw three four. I think it's it's very similar. Um, five, and I I really struggled here. I think like five through nine, I'm all basically right around the same level of confidence in. But I've got Spencer Brown, the uh, the offensive yeah. tackle out of out of Northern Iowa. Yeah. Just massive. I mean, six eight and a half, three hundred and fifteen pounds, like insanely large um 
because he's so big, I, I have some concerns about his longevity. Mm. And just it's when you're that big, man, you're just it's so hard to not get leg injuries and arm injuries. You're just so lanky, but you just you watch him, and I know it's against FCS talent, but I think his technique is solid and I think he can be a competent starting right tackle for, you know, most vertical passing teams. I loved his growth during senior bowl week too. Yeah. Great point. He showed out against good talent, you know, like, yes, you got to kind of take the FCS tape a little bit with a grain of salt, Mm -hmm. but really consistent and a guy that really showed out at the senior bowl. And I think that's going to benefit him in a class where we clearly have quite a bit of questions about a lot of these guys and are they a tackle? Is their film good enough? And, Again, I like Walker a little a lot. I probably would have him as six, but I just, I, it worries me having to go back that far yeah. for tape. And it's just been so long since we've seen him play quality football. I think if you had to rank, you know, Sewell aside, like raw upside um, at the tackle class, it's probably a three way tie between Darisaw Leatherwood and Brown at that next tier. I really He's so like so solid, so consistent. And maybe a little bit of a limited ceiling just because he's probably a right tackle only. Agreed. Um, and then that's why I don't have so, him higher. Yeah. Yeah. He just um, reminds me of Bowles in terms of that body yes. type. You know, guys that are able to wear 300 plus pounds and make it look natural and not like, I don't know, just like chunky. He's a tight and like, end, man. Exactly. It's impressive. Um, I also Nate thought Solder uh, was like that. Yeah, I thought Cosby was like court. that too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, I guess you got to kind of know just what you're getting into once you yeah. draft those guys. Um, the power and the strength and the anchor might not all be there year one, year two, year three. Hell, look at bowls. It took four or five years. So, yeah. Well, and I think uh, I, I've read some rumors Spencer Brown interest in Pittsburgh where he seems like a very fitting Villanueva. So, so two, both guys would be six, eight. Um, and I mean, he, he'd fit with Munchak too. I really like him as a potential like second round pick for Denver. If if they landed him, what is it like 41 or whatever that would, that would make me very happy. He's a pure right tackle, which might appeal more to the Broncos than some other teams. So um, yeah, it's, it's man, the rest of this group is, yeah, as you said, similar levels of confidence. I'll put Cosme Um, in there too. Like that same, like, Brown, Cosme, I think they'll all be fine. It's just what is their ceiling and and do you trust them to play left tackle? I'm not I'm not so sure. But guys that should be able to at least start and it could contribute over time. Cosme's report to me is gonna read very similar just without the injuries. So yeah. gives me a little more confidence, you know, on the upside front and the durability front for sure. Um then I've got James Hudson, guys. Wow. Cincinnati. Great story, right? Former uh, Michigan defensive lineman goes to Cincinnati, has a really good showing in the one year, looks great in the bowl until he gets uh, ejected for targeting. A ridiculous Um, targeting call at that, I'd like to add. I mean, and that completely changed the game. Cincinnati was moving the ball at will, and that ejection changed. Sorry, I didn't mean to go on a tangent. I just hate targeting so much. I love it. I think there's some real upside there. I love him initiating contact in the run and moving. And I think there's some real upside in pass pro. The concern right now is going to be like his functional strength at the point of attack, um, his anchor. 
Um, that's that's like a year or two away. So if you draft him, you're drafting him as a project. But he's one of those couple guys on this list I think could actually stick at tackle if all works out as planned. That Can Cincinnati throw... team was so good. No kidding. Can I throw out a guy that I, I had trouble with him? Uh, Liam Eikenberg, Notre Dame. Cause he is so big, like yes. tall and like weight wise, but then he's got, I think 32 inch arms. Yes. When I watch him play, he down blocks and gets to the second level in the run game so smoothly and so powerfully that I, I wonder, maybe is he a guard, but he's just simply too big. I think to play guard, but I just don't know if he's got the land really hang at tackle. So I, I don't really know what to think of him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and then that's yeah. where I'm at too. And again, there's the inconsistencies with those. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, when we're talking about guys who are just mean, he's one of them. And, and I feel like that's one of the traits that, again, how does, how does meanness compare with length? Really tough to say when it comes to offensive line, but I do think like it, he, he should have a path just, just, I mean, it's six foot six. Maybe he's a little bit too tall to play guard. At least you're starting to get kind of uncomfortable in there. I, I don't know. I, I do think that I like the fact that you can slide him inside or at least try to slide him inside if things don't work outside. I mean, you have to. His wingspan's in the seven percentile, arm length, five percentile, hand size, 18th percentile. That's a big <laughs> guard, man. It's a massive guard. I know. Well, to me, that's a bit of the challenge with Leatherwood too. Cause that's what everyone's going to say is the backup plan there to me. Leatherwood feels ginormous for guard, man. Ginormous. I have a hard time seeing that bro. I know. Um, but like, I love, I, I Eichenberg, it hurt me to keep dropping him, but 32 inch hands are 32 inch arms are 32 inch arms. Um, that's another line, Hank, that left side of the line between him and Aaron Brooks. Fun, Whew. fun view. Dude, they've run left the whole year. I don't know if I saw a single run to the right side from Notre Dame this year. Wow. And they're like milking a lead in every game that's not Clemson. So they're just running yeah. it 40 times. <laughs> like, like choo-choo, get behind him. Um, yeah, their whole strategy this year was do not lose. We, we have our playoff moment. Do not no. blow this. Um, hundred percent so i mean he's next for me after hudson um but he's very much like vera tucker like very much what we said about vera tucker only you've got the concerns about the height and will it fit another guy that kind of fits this mold and here i was really splitting hairs is brady christensen much more of a finesse left tackle but small arms and I think he'd be great in a zone blocking scheme. He for sure, I think, will go inside, though. I think he'd fit well as a center. Ooh, I like that. I didn't really I, yeah. I was thinking guard, but I, I could see him transitioning to center. 24 years old, too. So where are you guys at with Jalen Mayfield? I'm a little surprised uh, that we haven't heard him brought up yet, just given that there's some smoke for him to potentially go pretty high. Um he's just so inconsistent. I'm I'm I have a really hard time with them. I I like his athleticism, but that's about it. The arm length and wingspan aren't really there. Um, only started 15 career games, two last year. And I, Michigan is just so damn weird, dude, because everyone balled out in that Minnesota game, and then the rest of the year was just absolute nothing. And it's, yep. it's kind of the same with Mayfield. I mean, he was up and down in the Michigan State game, didn't even finish the game. So he played one and three-fourths three of a game 
in 2020. Um, but I mean, he's nasty. He can block yeah. down with the best of them. But uh, what are we looking at here? Six five, three twenty six. I don't know if mm-hmm. that's really guard material. I think in a gap scheme, he'll work as a guard. Um, he at least is still young. But yeah, for me, um, I'm not a believer in the mobility to stick at tackle. Yep. Um, the, the testing was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't look great. And of course, we haven't mentioned Dylan Radunes. We haven't mentioned Stone Foresight, how the Florida's kind of been a late riser. We haven't mentioned Jackson Carmen. Um, they're like some dudes who were manning some real like left tackle spots that matter in college football. Um, I like Carmen, but he's, he's like 350 pounds or something like that. The dude's massive. And again, I just, I worry about longevity there. I worry like, you know, is that strength or is that just excess mass from, you know, too much time at the dining hall? And then again, that might be a unfair criticism to make from afar, but just looking at his numbers and. 32 and a half inch arms again, too. Again, yeah, like he's massively wide, but just well, we remember how he fell apart at the end of that Notre Dame game. Yeah, Um, just got torched. Lots of dudes that have those kind of moments in this class, though. I mean, we talked about Vera Tucker against Oregon, Tevin Jenkins, the overtime, uh, Capper with Osai getting them. Slater, we've mentioned some of his greatest hits. I mean, everyone had their struggles in this class. I'm surprised we haven't talked about Dylan Radunes, but I guess I'm not. Um, he He's actually has 34 inch arms, but and that's what makes him so fun is yeah. that like he, he checks those boxes, you know, it's six, five and a half, 301 pounds, it's maybe a little light, but not that bad. But plays FCS football. And you have to throw in that grain of salt, but then one whatever, like practice player of the week at the senior bowl. And so, like, how do you balance all these things? One of the few players that has the length to play the position, haven't seen him play the competition. We've seen all the other guys play, except for one week where he played well. Um, another guy who's, who's mean in the run game. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Because he is to, uh, a really – Maybe that one of the the toughest eval is that. Fair? I like his upside. I just, you know, we keep coming back to how are these guys going to pan out against elite edge rushers, and he's a guy I don't really see handling the the speedy guys too well. Yeah. And, and if I'm going to bet on one of these FCS guys, I just I like Spencer Brown's ceiling so much more than than his. But I could see him panning out. I could I could see him being the the guy that we kind of nitpicked too much and ends up being you know a competent starting tackle. Would it really guys, be nitpicking too much, though? Or it, we, well, should, yeah, well, yeah. we should have. We him. should be, but, I, you know, in hindsight, so in hindsight, it could play out that way. Yeah. But these guys are hard for media people to figure out because, one, they're small schools, so you're not going to generally have as much access. Two, it's a COVID year, so you're for sure not going to have much access. And three, you're going off FCS tape, so you can only see the guy crushing so many times if you're like, what, what else? I need to see, you know, better competition. I just need to see something else because I'm not really learning anything after game two or three old FCS type of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. And I've also seen mixed. Um, I've seen 33 inch arms. I thought that's what he came out at the senior bowl. Um, so I'm sorry. I, I know I just said he did have the 34 inch arms So that. I've got, that has been a problem for him. Um, and you know, just 
the he's raw. I wonder about the power in some areas. I wonder about the length, the footwork. Um, you know, but I think he's right there in the mix with Foresight from Florida. Not a great run blocker, but he moves pretty well for a guy that's as tall as he is as a pass blocker. He's a pretty nice little finesse um, tackle with some SEC experience. I put him right there with Walker Little. Like you've got some some upside. Dan Mora, Texas A&M. Sloppy as all get, big boy, but uh, you know he gets the job done. And honestly, Landon Young, who tested really well, he started 24 consecutive starts at left tackle for Kentucky in one of the best like three year stretches for Kentucky football. Um, Ojulari kind of destroyed him at the end of the Georgia game, but like, okay, he's not an elite agility like knee bender, but I think he could in a pinch give you some snaps at tackle. And I think Landon young could be a really good guard. So do not sleep on it. A little tall to be a guard, but yeah, yeah, true. Like six, seven, but I I agree with everything you said. And he was the anchor of that Kentucky offensive line and they moved the ball really well. I mean, they, they didn't have the quarterback. They didn't have great talent at wide receiver, but they, they effectively moved the ball and they were in most of the games and, I, I like his upside. A lot of these guys, we're just getting down to upside now. Like yep. I, I could see it potentially panning out. I like the kid from Florida. I worry about his consistency. Yeah. No, for sure. On to the interior. Yeah. Let's, let's... get a quick ad break in here real quick and uh, move on into the, the interior offensive lineman. Sounds like a great plan to me. Um, NFL draft season is upon us. Uh, it's possible that you might have Trevor Lawrence's haircut uh, in your pants. That's why our partners at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming, have partnered with us to make sure you don't gamble on shaving your balls the same way you like to gamble on football. For all of my draft geeks, we have an exclusive 20% off promo code DNVR at manscaped.com. Um, will your favorite team go defensive back in the first round? Not sure, but I am sure that with the lawnmower 3.0, you can get your D back. Uh, because of their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your nicks and snags will be reduced. This is the perfect protection needed for your franchise quarter balls. Uh, I want you to look in the mirror. See any nose or ear hairs dangling? Actually, we don't, I don't have a mirror, but we can all like, I don't see any nose hairs on this Zoom call. Cameras must not be good enough. Uh, we've heard from Dre, though, that he's a, he's a big nose hair guy, probably soon to be an ear hair guy, if not already. Um, he's all about the, the, um, nose hair trimmer, ear hair trimmer, weed whacker, weed whacker. There it is. I lost that line on the read. Um, they, you, if you get the perfect package 3.0, you can get all sorts of great products. Um, you get the, uh, manscape, the lawnmower 3.0, you get the crop preserver, ball reviver, uh, a travel bag, uh, you get a high performance anti-chafing boxer briefs. That is our recommendation as you get into Manscaped products. Uh, and if you use the code DNVR, uh, you can get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Again, that's code DNVR to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Um, it's a great deal. Seriously, go check them out. Don't sleep on the body wash either. I've been hmm. recently re-upped my Manscaped body wash and it's delightful. Very like piney. I don't know. It's a good smell. Makes me feel manly. Oh, nice. Need that. Look good, feel good, smell good. (laughs) 
let's uh, let's jump into these interior offensive linemen. How do we want to do this? Do we want to go guards and centers, or do we just want to do one giant conversation one giant. about? Yeah, I think that yeah. makes more sense. Yeah, I mean, usually it's these conversations would be like our top tens are going to be eight guards and two centers. This year, this center class is like one of the best I've ever evaluated. Top, top notch. <clears throat> well, and, kick it off then. Who, who's your top three? Okay, so Slater Veritucka, Tucker would be my one two. I turned uh, Bostonian for a second. Uh, Veritucka, uh, love Veritucka. I hope he plays Moving for the Cats. Yeah, like whoa. Um, and there, even that's an interesting discussion. You're splitting hairs, but I think Slater may be just slightly more reliable. I then love Creed Humphrey. I've said it before. I think he goes in the right system. He's going to be dope. He was such a key to that Lincoln Riley offense um, and how like mobile and deceptive their O-line movement can be. Dude's a shapeshifter, what he might lack in like power. It, like a guy might might be moving him into the backfield and it's like, oh no, here he goes. He's allowing a penetration. And then he'll just like shift his body and it's like, oh, psych, angle blocked, big run coming. Like Creed Humphrey is dope. I love him. Um, and he's just barely in front of Landon Dickerson, who's like one of the biggest interior offensive linemen you'll ever study. Um, and if it wasn't for the injuries, Dickerson would be like a top 15 prospect for me probably. I, I agree. Um, I've got Creed Humphrey, number one. I've got uh, Landon Dickerson, number two. Both of them, uh, you, you basically said it all, but Creed Humphrey, that what we saw during the Senior Bowl week, yeah. that will stick with me. He was the one guy who was shutting everybody down. Landon Dickerson obviously wasn't participating, but he is just, that's a, that's a really big dude. He's what, like six foot six playing center? And honestly, like, uh, no, injury concerns, those are the biggest concerns. Playing behind a six foot six center could cause issues for some teams. And it's crazy, but I feel like him being too tall might be the, the other biggest knock for him. Um, from, from there, though, uh, I went with Deontay Brown from uh, Alabama. Um, again, I, I know I have mm. concerns about that left side of the offensive line. I picked that duo inside, is what I was really impressed by. And, and the way those two just work together, the zone blocks, like getting up to the next level. And, and there are questions with Deontay Brown. I, I'm not sure that he's best in like a, a power scheme. I'm not, I don't love him as a puller just because he's so big and bulky. But he is so big and bulky that the little bit of agility that you need, I feel like he has that. It's just like the big runs where you can't quite get up to speed to make something happen. I'm curious what you guys thought, though. Um, Jake? On – Deontay Brown, or do you want me to go top five? Both. Both. Deontay Brown, I mean, yeah, the size is – the body type's obviously not ideal, right? Mm -hmm. um, you'd want to see him in an NFL strength and conditioning program ASAP, um, but you don't want to see that power be sacrificed for losing weight. So it's, it's a balancing act. Um, I thought it was kind of weird how he started 24 games but played in 46 total games. That's just kind of a weird – bunch of yeah, numbers that's but really that's awesome. that's just they Alabama rotated for a lot in the second exactly half. you get so many situations where they're like up 30 exactly uh but man he's a road grader dude um if you're in a power scheme and you're looking for a guard definitely be a guy i'm looking for uh can be taken advantage of a little bit by some of the more quick twitched and athletic uh interior yeah. defensive guys so 
you know, you got to hope that he hits his target uh, off the line or else might be trouble. Um, and then going to my top five, I have Rashawn Slater at one. I think mm-hmm. he could be like a Pro Bowl guard. Yeah. Um, just how powerful and how smooth he moves. Um, already talked about him enough. Elijah Vera Tucker, he was probably my favorite offensive lineman to watch uh, that played in 2020. Um, just, you know, impressive at left tackle. And then you go back and watch the guard tape and it's just as good. Yeah. And then three Landon Dickerson, um, you know, the size and we've already talked, mentioned it. You don't want to get too big up in the middle of the interior. You know, if someone like Seattle, if they're looking for a center, yeah. um, do you even really have Dickerson on your board? I mean, Russell Wilson's 5'10", 5'11", on a good day, right? And he's standing yep, behind 6'6". Six, six. Always getting massive dudes. Like, they're the James Carpenter team, you know? That's true, like, yeah. Like, actually, I would see Seattle being a Deontay Brown team. Like, I yeah, watch that yeah, guy, and sure. I'm like, oh, Tom, Tom Cable is going to like this dude, um, which I know he's at the Raiders, but, you know, like, I feel like that blueprint's still there. And then uh, for Creed Humphrey, I mean, yeah. dude's played for forever, like you said, Andre, just been a linchpin for that uh, that running game from Lincoln Riley for three years at this point. Blood and then I threw Quinn Miners at uh, five. Mm. Um, really loved what I saw from the Senior Bowl. I mean, yeah. obviously not much tape to really go off of, yeah. but just from what I saw at the Senior Bowl, I think that's someone that I would be willing to take a chance on. I mean, this dude was just opening up holes in the middle of the field in Mobile. Yeah. Um I don't I I mean Wyatt Davis, I left him out. He's got crazy bloodlines. Yeah, ben Cleveland from Georgia is fun mm-hmm. to watch too. So yeah, and I mean, even how do you fit a guy like Mayfield in or Trey Smith or Aaron Banks? It's loaded. Look, this might be the I guess there's some stiff competition, but like given that you're not starting three at a time, like cornerback and wide receiver, this might be the deepest class of this draft um justin you're a bama guy like how interested is deontay brown he's such a like eye of the beholder guy because he's massive 344 pounds and that's a real concern for a young dude to already be that big but for others they say man at 344 look how well he moved like imagine what this guy could do like at, at a more polished 330 where do you fall on him, and how do your top five guys rank? I like Brown a lot, man. I, again, like I, I think all of the the concerns are valid, especially the weight stuff. But when you watch the way that he plays out there, he doesn't move like a guy that has that type of frame. A little bit, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd be a little bit worried about him pass blocking against some of those like elite, really big dudes. He got worked inside a little bit when they had to go against some more. Uh, stout defensive lines but Mm -hmm. i really like him i'm not quite as high as hank is on him i have him at five or six um just depends on how some of this shakes out but i've got um slater sorry total brain fart for a second slater (laughs) i won i just think he's going to be an elite guard possibly a tackle i mean i don't think it's necessarily a foregone conclusion but i just think it makes so much sense given his measurements and what we've seen number two and again, my Bama Homer is coming out a little bit, but I'm in love with Landon Dickerson, one of my favorite players to ever come through the program. And that's saying something because he was a transfer guy. So he wasn't even there all of that long, but he's just so consistent, so nasty in the trenches. And you see that the way this dude plays. And I think 
you know, like offensive line coaches, especially they're, they're looking for those nasty type dudes. And I, I just, you look at a guy like him and it's like, yeah, I can work with that. I can make this work even with the knee injury. It is what it is. I mean, so many of these guys have knee injuries now. Um, three, I would go Creed Humphrey. So solid. Again, if, if you put him over Landon Dickerson, I'm not going to argue with you. I think these two are two of the best center prospects I've seen in a lot that I can remember, at least, you know, in the last six, seven, eight years. Um, absolute studs. Can't go wrong there. Four, I've got Elijah Vera Tucker at guard. Again, maybe could be a tackle, but I just think with the length, I don't see it. And uh, yeah, I guess five, I, I would go. I would go there. And the only question I would, I would say is maybe I would put Wyatt Davis over him. Um, I really thought he was just super consistent. Like I, I, I just think we're nitpicking with a guy like Wyatt Davis and I don't really understand why he seems to have dropped a little bit over the last couple of months. Yeah. Wyatt Davis's grandfather played for the Lombardi Packers and the Browns back in the day, won five championships. His father played college football at Missouri career ended due to knee injuries. And now he's next in line. Pretty crazy, crazy. bloodlines. That is crazy. And he's a big, strong guy. Also, mm-hmm. 33 and 78 inch arms. He's yeah. got such good length inside too. Um, again, he's somebody who seems pretty polished. I mean, of course he's polished. He's been playing on the Ohio State offensive mm-hmm. line, blocking for really good running backs. I do think that he's somebody who is, I mean, well, I have him number four. I've got Quinn Miners behind him. I think that when you look at like him at four, Miners at five, there's a decently big gap because I do think that Wyatt Davis is somebody who's just ready to go play football right now. Whereas minors, you have the questions coming from D3. Um, yeah. Injuries for Wyatt Davis, maybe a concern. Um, but when you put on the tape, I think Justin said consistent. I, I agree. He's a big, strong guy with good length and comes from a, a good background. I will say I was maybe just slightly disappointed with Wyatt Davis um, just because he came like, you know, early in the season, he was advertised as a top 20 talent. Um, and Which he, was probably a little bit much. Yeah, you know, no. Like, and I mean, like this class is so deep that it's not, he, he would be the top interior offensive lineman in plenty of years I've studied. Um, a little, I don't know that he moves supernaturally. I don't know that he bends supernaturally though. Um and to me, it's just like as much as that top four of Slater, Tucker, Humphrey, Dickerson, like this next year, especially if you include like Jalen Mayfield in this group, Trey Smith, Mayfield, Cleveland, Brown, Aaron Banks, Wyatt Davis. These are some big dudes that will maul you um, and like have some significant upside too. And they're wide as can be. They're not easy to get around. Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's right there, Massive. sandwiched between Mayfield and Brown for me. Like Cleveland's tape was really impressive. Um, and I haven't even said like Josh Myers, who I think is a really good center out of Ohio State. There are times you put on that Ohio State tape. I think he he outplayed Wyatt Davis. Quinn Minor, I think you could argue outplayed Creed Humphrey at the senior bowl. All I've been able to find is some 2018 D3 tape. I don't love what I saw, a little sloppy, a little on the ground too much, but like, who cares? He, like, it, it doesn't matter. Um, that stuff doesn't matter because it's not going to translate. And it's two years ago. So it truly doesn't matter. Um, Kendrick Green out of Illinois is a tractor. Um, he's insane. And then, like, Drew Dahlman out of Stanford might be a 10-year starter in his own scheme. Um, 
Robert yeah, Evan or Hainsley. Yeah, Hainsey, who we haven't even talked about. Like, could be a super solid starter out of Notre Dame, their right guard. You have so much talent in this class. I'm glad you brought up Myers because he's a guy that I probably haven't hyped up enough really at any point of this season. It's just because I'm so high on Dickerson and and Brown. But like I, I could see in Humphrey, I could see a situation where, you know, he ends up being an, an all-pro center for a team for just really consistent. Like, you just – you watch that guy, and it's like, what's not to like about him? You know, maybe even maybe even more so than Wyatt Davis, now that I'm kind of going back and thinking about it, just a guy that I can put in there. I think he's going to start, and you don't have the injury concerns. I, I really like him. I'm sorry. I'm kind of thinking out loud here. Maybe not the best podcast, but um, you I guys, like you it, sold man. me on him, Dre. I think there's some value, I mean, just across the board. You know, and you want Minder in the second? Have him. I'll, I'll take Aaron Banks in the third. I'll, I'll wait around for Kendrick Green in the fourth. Like, I love this group, man. I really love this group. You've got star power. You've got really good center prospects, guard prospects. You've got everything, man. It's it's extraordinary. And if some of these it's gonna be really appealing healthy, to Denver too, right? Like absolutely. just given the state of the offense, I know we got there's concerns about right tackle as well. But it, just thinking about it was such a bummer, you know, that they stocked up on wide receiver and corner given the talent. Well, here's a position group where they could really improve mm-hmm. the team drastically with you know two or three guys. Yep. 100%. I want to go back to Dalman real quick. Just because I know he's undersized and, you know, when he's matched up against the biggest and strongest, the anchor isn't really all there yet. Um, But I just love those centers like him where it's like his hips are on a swivel and he's just able to move like so quickly from side to side when he's processing zone blocks. Um, You know, you're looking at maybe around the pick, probably a day three pick. Um, But this is a guy that's got starter upside. And like you said, Dre, if he's a 10-year pro, I wouldn't be surprised. No. I'll throw Sorry, uh, Will Sherman the out there from Colorado. Um, played played left tackle at Colorado, switched to right tackle last year with, or the year before, went back to left tackle the year before. Now he actually spent most of the offseason, like 10 weeks training with Ryan Jensen, um, the, the center for the Buccaneers, who's from Colorado. CSU um, Pueblo, yeah. Yeah, I see. And I love that because I don't know which school, but I know if I say from Colorado, Dre will say exactly who it is. It's a... Uh, perfect um but yeah actually like lacking like true tackle length and he's a shorter guy and he's a little bit top heavy and that's why he's, he's going into likely play center or guard um but for those positions he does have good length and, and he is pretty mean and sometimes he like loses his balance and that kind of stuff because he is a little bit top heavy but that just lets him hit hard and, and you look at colorado's running numbers uh jared broussard's breakout like where they were effective running the ball was behind will sherman um, I, th- I see Dane Brugler has a sixth round grade on him. Yeah, that's probably about right. Six, seven, something like that. But smart guy can play that center position. You know, if you're called or not Colorado, if you're Denver kind of looking uh, at your offensive line, sure. You just drafted boy Cushenberry up and down first year, I think might be a little bit generous, maybe adding some competition the seventh round somebody who maybe you develop and if things don't go well next year I, I think that he could be a fun fit with the broncos isn't Love it, it nice to just be talking about broncos offensive line prospects on like maybe day two probably day three though instead of like they have to get one of these freaking tackles or something yeah 
hundred percent. It's really true that has shifted lately. Um, that is crazy. All right. Hank, you've got a Discord question. I see we got a question that just came in on the pod feed. Um, let's you let's go talk to the good people before we go. Sure, sure. Uh, this is from Rocket Haverland. Hey, guys, huge fan of the pod. I wanted to share a couple different things in regards to the tackle class. I wanted to know what you guys think could be a guy Mike Munchak would want early in the draft and a guy that could be his next late round gem. I've looked at Brady Christensen, and I think he could be a guy that we take on the third day of the draft. Second, what is your philosophy for ranking tackles? Do you tend to regard size, power, or footwork as more important? I think looking at how well Mekhi Becton played for such a crappy situation, I'm more inclined to favor the size and power aspect. I truly believe this tackle class is one of the best. It has, in my mind, close to eight starters, Sewell, Darisaw, Vera Tucker, Slater, Jenkins, Little, Leatherwood, Cosme. Even though Little hasn't played in a long time, I think he is worth the risk of a second-round pick, and paired with the coaching of Munchak could be an all-pro compared to other guys in the second. Same with Leatherwood as well. Lastly, I just want to say I know most of you will love Slater, but I think Derisaw is the number two in the half. Justin, he's one of ours. Um, one of us. One exactly. Of us. Uh, just looking at how well he was able to bully guys around at such a young age. Thanks again. Love the pod. That's a phenomenal question. Um, That's great an insights. football fan. Yeah. Love to get your takes on these things too, um, because it just gives us a different perspective. Um, so yeah, go ahead. A Munchak guy. I threw out Spencer Brown already. He's not exactly a late round gem if i were to give a late round gem i guess i would say landon young oh i like that um i guess i'd say tevin jenkins just get a true right tackle mm. pure grader i think that's i mean we don't really know what Jawan james is going to bring to the table yet it's been so long since he's played um a consistent stretch of games so I mean, high uh, taking a guy high, Tevin Jenkins, I think, would just be the final piece to finally complete the offensive line. Um, late round guy, man. I don't know. Ben Cleveland's a mauler, man. He's so big and fun to watch. I mean, I know interior is probably where the Broncos are most set, but still Glasgow. But I guess you do have Mooty and what have you. Um, Hank Justin, Munchak guy out there from Oklahoma. Um, yep, Adrian Neely. Did did some good work, young guy. Didn't come in great with the measurements, but but is very tall, and I think that that could cover some things up. If you're working, if you're looking for a project, I think that you look at the frame there and say, hey, I, we can turn this into some something. I really like Cleveland. Um, yeah. I think that's a good answer as far as a Munchak guy goes. Late one, um, I, I honestly don't hate. I think he said Brady Christensen, the BYU mm -hmm. guy. I don't hate that. I, given his versatility, I think you could do a, a couple of different things there. Maybe like a, somebody like Forsyth out of Florida. Forsyth would fit, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be like a seventh round pick or anything like no. that, but a guy that you could get, you know, like in the third round probably. For sure. Um, and then I thought this was a, you know, we don't have to touch on this too much. I, I think our answers will all be the same, but you know, how you evaluate and kind of balance 
size, power versus were technique and polish, you know. Um, and I, I think it's like most things, you know, it's that it's that margin of error that we talk about. It's like what things are, can the deficiencies be coached up or are they things that are stemming from greater physical schematic, what have you limitations to their game that they're not going to be able to overcome is going to pigeonhole them in a certain way. Um, you know, as uh, Jake said to cap off our pod, yes, uh, last the, the cornerback pod, the last pod, like comes down to traits, you know, um, and that's, yeah, that's how we, that's how I would answer that. But thank you, Rocket, for reaching out. Love that. Um, Henry, you want to give us the Discord question? Yeah, from SP84. Penny Sewell is uh, uh, the undoubted best tackle in this class, but is Tevin Jenkins the most violent tackle in this class? I also agree with Jake on the fact that the Broncos should hedge the Juwan James bet at some point within the first three rounds. Tevin Jenkins, though, most violent in the class? Him or Derrissaw, probably. Uh, I mean, Dickerson's nasty. Myers is nasty, too. It, there's know. a bunch of just... Well, yeah, I guess. Are we guys, refining this but... to only tackles or only oh, tackles. the most nasty lineman, period? Tackles Boy, Jenkins. Leatherwood as a run blocker can really get on you, but yeah, it's not Jenkins level now. Obviously, it's against FCS competition, but like Spencer Brown, yeah, he's throwing dudes around. He'll bury some dudes. Um, I think Redunds, if we're talking FCS guys, there, there's some of that there too. Also, Penny, yeah. Penny Sewell can get, yeah, yeah. of course, correct. Penny Sewell is right up there with the rest of them. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Mayfield's a bit of a prick himself, you know. <laughs> Dude, that Minnesota game, he was just crashing the entire right side of Minnesota's defensive line. I mean, these holes they were creating were huge. Yeah. Is it all that like take pleasure in embarrassing defenders? And I love that about offensive linemen. And I love that yeah, about this that. class. Like, that's what makes this one so not only are they talented, but you've got just a bunch of dogs out there and I'm starting to sound like a football coach with, you know, speaking in cliches, but it's true, man. These dudes are nasty. I love it. Great questions as always. No, I think I've got like 25 future NFL starters between tackles and now as we started the show, maybe there are five that are tackles. So, but that's a lot of interior guys. 25 is a lot. What's the lot? I don't know what you're Think about how many dudes we just threw out. Like we probably threw 50 names out in this. So it's, it's really not that, like, it's not that crazy to think that that many 25, 30 of these dudes could pan out. Yeah. Wow. All right. I think that's about all we have for today's podcast. We got any final thoughts we want to throw out there before we hit the road? We made it. That's true. Hallelujah. Yep. Yep. Just fun stuff. Fun rumors to cover from here on out. And, uh, you know, lots more on the YouTube channel. Check out the site. All that good stuff, of course. We're going to have awesome NFL draft coverage. We will be live. Make sure that you are tuned in to DNVR for it all. Shout out to all of you for listening, for subscribing, for asking questions. You make our dreams come true. I'm Justin Michael. I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you to everybody that listens to this podcast. Peace. Sit Jay on the board.